Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Must See Matches, the essentials of pro wrestling as nominated by you. I am Kieran Lefort and joining me as always, our very own Stone Pitbull, one for one he will bite you, Mark Buckledy. Mark, how's it going? Um, good, thanks. Uh, I actually, I got rid of it very recently, but I actually had uh, an Ishi Stone Pitbull shirt, which was nine years old and somehow <laughs> some of the design was just about hanging on. Well, I am representing today, I have my uh, Shibata the Wrestler shirt on, um, because why not? Uh, we are covering today Katsuyori Shibata versus Tomohiro Ishii, as you might gather, uh, from August the 4th, 2013, G1 Climax A Block, from the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium slash Edion Arena slash Bodymaker Coliseum, as it was called at this time. And joining us, uh, a man who's done everything you can possibly do in wrestling, so he's taken to writing books about it, the author of Kayfabe, A Mostly True History of Professional Wrestling, Patrick W. Reed has returned. Patrick, how are you? I'm very well and uh, very happy to be back and talking about a match that was what absolutely one of my favourites of the year it happened in. So, yeah, very, very keen to get into this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I know Mark has been champing at the bit to talk about this one as well. Mm. And the interesting thing is I didn't remember any of it and I know I watched it at the time. <laughs> Honestly, this was the first match that I put on my list. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or definitely one of the first ones, but it was the first one I thought of. Okay. And do you have any reasoning you could go into before we get into the match as to why you think it belongs on the list? Um, For me, I think one of the... I think it's very special for me mm -hmm. uh, because I've been a New Japan fan for years up to this point, but this was... The 2013 G1, which I think most people would argue is the first of the really good ones. Yeah. So I was sort of, I was like tapping out my notes about this. And my recollection is 2012 is, was the first sit up and take notice yeah. one since like the mid 90s, since like the Musketeer era. Yeah. Uh, and then like that had been called, I think that was, I think that was the one that Meltzer initially called the best wrestling tournament of all time. And then this one happened and he was like, well, I didn't think they could top last year, but they did. Yeah. And then next year they topped it again. And this would continue mm. uh, until I, like 2018 is sort of like the peak of crazy amounts of really good matches on singular shows. Like insanity every night for a 19 night tour, isn't it? The thing about this one, well, two of the things about this one is it's still that period where they're fitting all of the singles matches for both blocks on one night, which yes. I think they gave up in 2014. And one of the benefits... Yeah, because people were just getting killed. But one of the benefits of that is because you had so many matches in one night, it kept things short. So you mm. didn't get like a modern G1 where at least, at least 15 matches are going 20, 25 minute plus. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's great to be discussing a New Japan match that is must see from that time period yeah that barely goes over 10 minutes yes i think officially yeah. it's, it's like 12 minutes 17 seconds isn't it think, bear I in mind it, yeah it's about 12 bell to bell i'm a guy that got into new japan because i felt their main events which were around 2008 2007 they were doing 20 minute main events they weren't going to the 30s mm. you had noah and all japan who were going 30 35 40 minutes and i was finding that was too long for me so mm. it hit that sweet spot. So, uh, and also this tournament was when Ishii was breaking out. It's like people knew he was a good wrestler. This was the first time that he had the opportunity to really get pushed and people sat up and took notice. Yeah, I usually cover this at the end when I go through like the Observer stuff. Ishii was second in most improved in the Observer Awards behind Roman Reigns for 2013. And I don't think it's a case oh, wow. of improvement. I think it's a case of he was finally given a spotlight and a yeah. way to shine. And like this match went a very long way towards that. Yeah, I think the, yeah this match is a, a coming out party for him, really, yeah. I think. And yeah, he, was, he wasn't markedly better than he had been before. Mm. He was just being given the opportunity yeah. To, yeah. to showcase it with the perfect opponent. Yeah. The, the other bit that really helped this tournament for Ishii is two days before this, 
he had a main event at Korokan Hall against Hiroshi Tanahashi, which uh-huh. I also nominated. And that is one of my favorite singles underdog matches uh, because it's a phenomenal story where Tanahashi leaned into the heel work. The Korokan crowd who knew who Ishii was were fully behind him. And that is definitely worth seeking out as well. Mm. Do you want to talk about the number of nominations uh, each guy got? I mean, this is, as it comes to coverage on the show, this is one of one for Ishii and one of two for Shibata. And we haven't got to the other one yet. I mean, the other one is, it's pretty high up there. Yeah, the other one is the number two match on the list. Yeah, with something like 27% of votes. Oh, I should say, uh, this and the match we're going to talk about next week came joint 12th out of the 1,066, 1,067 nominations we got. uh, With, I call it the not quite 17 percenters. They got 16.96% of uh, nominations. So we said that Shibata has uh, another match to come. So Shibata had nine matches in total nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, he had three from 2004, 2005, which uh, if you've seen them, you'll kind of guess. It's the Junakiyama match where he more or less shoots on Akiyama immediately and it gets really nasty. <laughs> it's against Kawada, which I can't imagine was a walk in the park either. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And against Kazuyuki Vegeta, which, again, is not a walk in the park. (laughs) He Um, doesn't walk the easy path, does he? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, his other nominations were a couple of uh, G1 matches. So G1 match against Nakamura, uh, the rematch of this at Wrestle Kingdom 10 in 2016, um, a match against Kyle O'Reilly, which I think was good, but I think it was at that time where people really wanted O'Reilly to rise, so it got a little bit of a a, a little bit more shine than it probably needed. And a Chris Hero match from RevPro. Oh. Yes. Which was I've 2016. Seen that. Yeah. I don't think I was there live for it. Walthamstow? I think it was Walthamstow. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I was there live for it, but I've definitely seen it. It's very good. It is very good. I actually preferred the Ishii match that Hero had the night before. but That was the one I think I was live for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ishii. Yes. Uh, he did have a Rev Pro match nominated, but it was against Keith Lee. Yes, that one I oh, was, that was definitely yeah. live for. <laughs> that one uh definitely doesn't hold up on um on video rewatch but mm. a lot of that could be possibly be attributed to RevPro's horrible production of the time uh but live in the building like that that was a that was a, a five star live match for sure yeah so here's a thing Ishii is a guy that recently got in the wrestling observer hall of fame simply due to his work rate mm-hmm. because he didn't have any of the other uh aspects mm. Despite that, he only had eight nominations in total. I think we've sort of discussed this before. We have. Like the first episode, we'd mentioned it. Yeah, like Ishii doesn't peak. He just has a high, high floor. Yeah. Mm. Like he's consistently extremely good. I think it's it's very... um, If you're willing to get your face caved in, it's impossible to have a bad match with Mm. Ishii. I mean, the bit with Ishii is we all know him from this... 2010s era Mm. and most of his nominations were 2010 singles matches his first nomination was in 98 when he was less than two years in what his first nomination was a match from war because he was trained by uh temryu against uh keisuke yamada who i didn't know who he was until i realized it was asaka pro's black buffalo huh Wow. Which is a kind of match that I kind of want to see to see what the hell it looks like. And his other uh, pre-2010s nomination was a DDT match of all things. <laughs> uh, I am reminded of the little Ishii fact we were told. Um, I cannot remember if it was on air or off, but uh, the first time Toriumon did the three-way uh, trios match that it never it didn't get taped so it never aired one of the partici- par- participants was Tomohiro Ishii it's such a weird 
like you know how those matches go it's like I can kind of see she working in that, but I really want to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to picture, isn't it? Um, yeah, I wonder whose place he took because I could see him as like doing the Power Junior thing, like a um, a Shuji Kondo. That yeah, his name completely went out of my head for a second there. Yeah, Shuji Kondo. Um, and um, I have recently, I'll, I'll I'll plug it now and I'll plug it at the end. I've recently set up uh, an Instagram account uh, where I'm putting up. Uh, photos I have taken at wrestling shows over the years uh, just to kind of archive them and share them mm. uh, uh, it is uh, Kieran is here too on um, uh, on Instagram and I found a picture recently which will be going up uh, the first time I saw Tomohiro Ishii live he had hair <laughs> <laughs> like an actual proper hairstyle <laughs> this would have been 2010 these two this is their first ever singles match. Yes. They've only ever been in the ring against each other once before, and that was a tag match from December 2012. Right. I see. So Shibata has not long returned to New Japan after his departure some yeah. years previously. Um, and I think people were, and that tag match perhaps, um, piqued their interest in a singles match between these two. Yeah. They've only ever had six singles matches, hmm. including, as you said, running this back at the Dome. Uh, they do it again in the 2014 G1. Uh, in 2016, they rematch in this building. Yeah. Um, this is the only one that Ishii wins. Hmm. Shibata also, took all of the rest. Also, bear in mind, Ishii didn't join New Japan until after Shibata left. Right. Because Ishii came into New Japan following uh, Ricky Choshu, because after WAR folded, uh, Ishii ended up under the wing of Ricky Choshu. Mm. And then when Ricky Choshu came back to New Japan, he brought Ishii with him. And when Choshu left, uh, Ishii decided, I like getting paid regularly. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, these two are desperate to get each other. Mm. Are we 100% sure they hadn't been slagging each other's mums in backstage interviews for the prior six months? <laughs> oh, even my... Before the bell rings is maybe my favourite part of this entire match. Mm. Uh, because you have the referee... like He's not making contact with them, but he looks like he's trying to hold them apart just yes. from his stance yeah. in the middle but of the by ring. Using, by using the force. Yeah, and they are... <laughs> They're like sort of horses waiting at waiting to uh waiting yes. to bolt. Yes. yes. And the moment the bell rings, the referee has to scarper out of their way yeah. as they just charge at each yeah. other. It's, yeah, yeah. But a phenomenal opening. And the crowd realised this like five seconds before the bell rings, the crowd knows it's like, oh, this is gonna be fucking on. Yeah, two things. They um Ishii's legs are going like a dog having its belly rubbed. Like he is <laughs> like hopping up and down and like his feet are pounding like he's Michael Flatley in his prime. Um, and they don't charge at the sound of the bell. They charge at, at Marty Asami, the referee giving the signal for the bell. So before there's even been the sound, they're running at each other. Um, they charge collide. Ishii goes down, but pops straight back up and they rapidly hammer each other with forearms. Uh, Shibata wins, sends Ishii into a corner and just hits him right in the mouth with a flying kick. I had to watch this several times. Like, it's it's full contact. Uh, Ishii comes back with a corner-to-corner -corner lariat and then they slam into each other again mid-ring and just collapse. Forearm exchange, Ishii gets the better of, but when he tries a running attack, Shibata knocks him down with a kick that doesn't really hit him. So he chucks in a stomp and a forearm across the shoulders mm. for good measure. And I kind of felt like the following 11 minutes of this match were trying to make up for that one missed kick. Like they made sure every single other thing hit 100%. I think that is that he misses the kick and then the stomp afterwards. There's yeah. so many bits of real nasty kind of follow through. Mm. I spent pretty much all from Shibata, mm. but yeah. he'll hit a really uh, nasty strike that takes Ishii down and then just sort of near him in the back of the head to follow it up or, or just give him an extra kick for good measure. But yes. It's just constant. It's, yeah. They, they ne there's very little 
um, breathing room in this match. Yeah. Because any opening they get, they are just hitting each other. Yeah, there's not a lot of breathing room. The only downtime comes through exhaustion. Yeah. Later on. So Ishii comes back with a couple of chops and then he drops to a knee and gestures for Shibata to lay in a kick, Mm -hmm. which he does. Shibata then takes a knee and absorbs a chop and we go back and forth like this for a couple of rounds. Um, It continues when they get back up until Ishii sells a Shibata kick like he's having a heart attack. And Shibata, who's expecting a chop, realises and pounces on him. This is probably my favourite thing about Ishii is that delayed sell. He'll take a ton of strikes and then his body gives up before his his, his heart does, really. Mm, Yeah. So it'll, it'll take one that he's desperately trying not to go down from and it'll just crumple. And I don't think anyone does that better. And there's a lot of people on Twitter who don't really know what selling is or complain about no selling on, on strike yeah. exchanges. Yeah. And these two are selling throughout the whole match. They're just not selling the way that you might expect if you've only seen big TV American wrestling where yeah. you know, every cell has to be a bump or every or every cell has to be immediate. So it's that, that delayed reaction. Mm. Um, Shibata does very well, but Ishii does better than anyone. They are professional fighters who don't want to show their weakness to their opponent. Yep. And, like, they only crack when they have to, you know, when they they really can't take it anymore. And then, like I said, Shibata, like a professional fighter, seizes an opening. Yeah. So they're in the corner. Shibata is pounding in forearms, and Ishii is just screaming at him as he's getting (laughs) hammered into the mat. And Asami has to step in, um... Uh, my next note just says, poor Tom takes the corner drop kick right in the temple. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And slumps under the ropes in the corner. Uh, they cut to the crowd just in time to show a woman having trouble finding her seat, which cracked me up. <laughs> my, one of the things about this match is the bit where they're both going down uh, on one knee to invite the other one mm. to strike. And, the, and you see... Things like this in this, like the Sasaki versus Kabashi match, is one of those where you can see, you can think of hundreds of imitations over mm. the years. And what I love about the the down on one knee bit is because that works perfectly for these two people, for these yeah. two characters. Yeah, Shibata is the prick that is a little insecure and has to show how tough he is, especially because he's come back to the place where. He left years ago. Hmm. Uh, Ishii is the the underdog who's like, no, I need this to be my time, and just has is nothing but heart. And as uh, as people have said, he's the guy whose body gives up before his heart does. Hmm. And this, for me, this is the ultimate pissing contest match. <laughs> it, it's a dick measuring contest in wrestling form, basically. It's mm. two guys that won't back down and just trying to prove how tough they are to mm. the extent where they're just they're taking punishment that they know they shouldn't have to take because they just want to prove I'm mm. tougher than the other guy. Completely. It's um they're both the most stubborn wrestler you can think of in subtly different ways. Yeah. Um so you have as you said, right, Ishii is on the way up and needs that statement win and needs to prove himself. Shibata, it's not just that he's coming back, it's that he's kind of, he was supposed to be the top guy. Mm. He was um, kind of the last bastion of of Enochiism. Mm. And he's come back to a new Japan that's moved on past that and past him. He was supposed to be one of the chosen ones, like one of the the three, the new musketeers alongside Tanahashi and Nakamura, wasn't he, before yeah. he left? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to kind of overstate this in a lot of Japanese rest, wrestling big matches about the idea of different wrestling philosophies because so much in, in New Japan fixates on what is strong style. Mm. And what is, you know, if you read any long form interview or the Nakamura's book or Tanahashi's book, they're always asked at length, you know, what does strong style mean to you? Mm. And I think this is too kind of opposing ideas of strong style. Shibata's is 
the hangover from Antonio Inoki of this is a martial art and it is better than all other martial arts and I'm going out of my way to prove it. Ishii's is strong style as I have more heart, so I'm going to take everything you can mm. give me and keep fighting. Yeah. And it, they are both, as I said, the, uh, the word I used before was stubborn, and I think that's, it's two people butting heads and almost trying to sort of fight through each other mm. to prove that their version of this is better than the other. Yeah, I think the stubbornness is the thing they dislike about each other but do not recognise in themselves. Yep. Yes, yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I'm mildly distracted because one of my neighbours is singing Untrained Melody really loudly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when Ishii has walked around the ring and cleared out the cobwebs, he gets back in instantly into a snapmare and a spine kick. It's times like this I wish I understood Japanese because he yells something at Shibata and just gets three in the chest for for his trouble, each one of them knocking him flat. But say, out, out of curiosity, mm. um, I was taking some notes watching this, and that snapmare is a, around four minutes in. Oh yeah, and it's the first thing in this move in this match that I would describe as a wrestling move. Yes, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll. Um, so <laughs> things which are moves rather than strikes. Yeah, you know, if you're playing mm. SmackDown on the PS One, you're pressing Circle rather than X. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it only exists just to set up the kick to the back. The yeah. snapmare is not there for anything else. Yes. And I counted, and there are, I would say, 10 moves in this match. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about the Shibata hits free standing kicks. He only hits free because he literally can't lift Ishii up for a fourth. Yes, yes. So after the third one, Marty has to get in between them again and check on Ishii because his eyes are closed and he's gone dead weight when Shibata tries to pick him up. He falls over tr- when trying to stand up and basically needs Shibata to drag him upright again. Um, he roars in Shibata's face when he hits him with a running boot to the jaw uh, and encounters a second one with what I called a very Steiner-like power slam. Like his hands aren't quite in the right position mm-hmm. and they go over it like sort of diagonally rather than horizontally. Uh, gets the job done. Uh, now Shibata is on his knees and it's Ishii's turn to lay in the chest kicks. Oh, how the indestructible Japanese tables have turned. <laughs> uh, Shibata also roars defiantly and gets back to his feet in time to get knocked flat by a spinning heel kick right to the face. And Patrick, you made a video game reference a second ago. This is the spinning heel kick out of the Aki games. This is the side of the foot right in the face. Yeah. Uh, is she with the brain buster and i think the first cover around five minutes yeah um, it is yeah again I, I i did the same thing of counting how many covers there are in this patch not <laughs> a lot and there's not there's not a lot and normally that really annoys me mm. um if anyone ever a wrestler ever comes to me for feedback after a match mm. i find more often than not it's you've got someone on the mat why aren't you trying to pin them why aren't you trying to win the match it, yes yes it's one of the things I've always like. Uh, I remember hearing like Lance Storm saying, "It's like he is on the mat. Why are you picking him up?" Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, whereas here, again, it's the stubbornness. Mm. Part mm. of it is they they both know that it's going to take a bit more than that. Yeah. To put them away, but they both also have a point to prove that goes beyond just pinning their opponents. Yeah. The brainbuster though is Ishii's big move. So why wouldn't he go for the cover after mm. it? Of course. Even this early on. Um, Shibata, though, kicks out. Otherwise, this show would be over early. Um, so Ishii lines him up for the PK, the penalty kick, Shibata's own signature move. Yeah. Shibata is having none of this shit. Uh, he catches the foot and he holds onto it as he stands up and uses the leg to pull Ishii into a beefy lariat. Ishii's big move. The bit, the bit I love about this and my favourite spot of the entire match is Shibata sells the shit out of his arm that he's hit the lariat with yep. because he's essentially hit the human equivalent of a fridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I I couldn't remember if anything came out about it, but I, I was genuinely worried watching this for the first time. Like, oh, God, was there an injury here? Like, <laughs> it, did, it didn't look like wrestling selling the way that yeah. he's yeah. kind of cradling the arm afterwards. Yes, yes, you might have seen a, a high-profile uh, wrestler cradling his arm towards the end of the Royal Rumble uh, earlier on this week. Uh, yeah, um, that, that might be why it was fresh <laughs> in my mind. Um, if you're counting wrestling moves, take a shot. Uh, Shibata clamps on a Boston Crab, uh, but Ishii makes it to the ropes as the crowd starts chanting his name. Uh, another shot as Shibata switches to an STF, and at this point I noticed two things outside the ring. One, 
The cameraman, who is carrying around the big 3D camera that New Japan were messing about with around this time, it basically looks like a laser cannon out of Halo on his shoulder. <laughs> and two, the bloke in the front row taking or making a phone call on his massive flip phone in the middle of this match. <laughs> I hope it was like the old, you know, call your friends, they need to see this. And he was like, these two fuckers are beating the shit out of each other right in front of me. <laughs> Not just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, Toshi, I'll be in the office in the morning. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't look at the crowd because I was too distracted by kind of crew and young lions all lined up up the up the, the aisle, up the ramp, all mm. facing left or right, none of them looking at the ring. Yeah, that's a common thing at big Japanese shows. It'll be them or it'll be police officers, mm. and they'll all be facing the crowd. So, like, you can hear an incredible match going on, I imagine, if you're them, but you're not allowed to watch it. <laughs> yeah. oh, also, it's not just the moves that are stiff, because this STF, like, Ishii's nose is just crumpling because it's so mm. tight over the nose, you can see creases in it. <laughs> uh, Ishii, again, gets to the ropes, but staggers up into a German suplex. Uh, Shibata takes it and comes back with one of his own, but runs into a lariat so loud, so sudden, and so violent... I burst out laughing on both of my viewings. <laughs> it was just, it was the only response my body could make. It, it's not just the noise and the suddenness, it's the sheer amount of titty mist that just sprays yep. into the air. Yep, it's I'm glad like... we're getting that phrase out there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I've, I've, got to, I've got to get this phrase no, out. Of course, of course. It's, uh, it's, becoming, it's becoming one of the hallmarks of the show. They stagger back up, uh, and Ishii just juts out his jaw, patting the side of it to signal that he wants to take a shot. And they trade a few until Ishii starts doing the rapid elbow bats. And we can add this to the list of things that Katsuyori Shibata is having none of, yeah. as he responds with this elbow to the point of the jaw and a kick across the chest that floors Ishii, and he goes for the cover. And Ishii kicks out as Marty Asami's hand hits the mat for one. <laughs> Shibata thinks the PK will finish it, but Ishii pops up and smashes him with another titty miss lariat that puts... It puts Shibata down on the back of his head. Like, every one of the lariats in this match, he manages to take by somehow... I know how, it's a big thick arm across it, having his chest <laughs> stay exactly level and his feet going all the way up until they're above his head, and then he just drops onto the back of his head. This happens three or four times. Um... Uh, Ishii follows up with a jackknife press, but somewhat predictably, Shibata is also out at one. This is where I noticed play-by-play -play man Shinpei Nogami going fucking mental on the headset. He was losing his mind. If we're keeping track, uh, Lado is still on the phone in the front row. They crawl at each other and throw more forearms, and then back on their feet, Shibata has the advantage, but Ishii is just yelling at him every time he gets hit with a forearm, sort of mm. unable to respond physically. Until he finds a headbutt somewhere inside him. <laughs> and, and this is not a Minoru Suzuki hold the hair headbutt. Oh, no. No, no. This is the forehead on forehead uh, that would not do his opponent so well in the other match we need to discuss in uh, a few weeks. Those headbutts are the only thing I, I hate about this match, really. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that Shibata seems to be okay now because it was the one thing that i think prevented the other match that you're going to have to talk about being one of my favorite matches ever and and yeah i like my wrestling stiff and hard hitting mm. and i think there's something i said the, the reaction that you had of just la involuntarily mm. laughing out loud yeah at, at the severity of a strike because it is absolutely ridiculous. It's an absurd thing to do with your body. Yeah. And the re there's no better reaction than that for me. And I actually watched this match for the first time um, with a group of, sort of, I would say, casual fan friends. They'd mm. never have watched any Japanese stuff before on a playlist at uh, Flat Warming when I'd just moved into my new flat. Uh-huh. And this was just on in the background, and it was the match that made everyone sort of stop having their conversations and turn and watch it. It's mm. the, I thought this was all fake match, isn't it? <laughs> Completely. And, yeah, there were people who, yeah, had watched WWF during the Attitude yeah, Era. Yeah, and yeah. One who watched a bit of TNA, that sort of yeah. uh, level of fandom. 
And it went from reactions of, oh, 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 God, to by the end of it, just joyous yeah. laughing yeah. and applauding at, it, at the escalation of it. Yeah. And the, the headbutt's the only thing that drags it back down to, oh, no, this is actually quite unpleasant. But do you think that is linked to the memory of the Shibata Okada match? And knowing what those headbutts will be later on, um, definitely in part. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we're not yet at uh, they stole Shibata's brain, yeah. but um, there was discourse about them before Shibata's injury. Yeah. It was already seen yes. as kind of unnecessary. Yes, and it was more Ishii doing them on the regular than Shibata was. Like they became a feature right. of his yeah. matches. Dur- during the pandemic, I watched every single Shibata singles match that was on the the uh, New Japan World, mm-hmm. the the good version, not the currently dodgy version. <laughs> um, and he did headbutts a lot less than people actually think he did headbutts. Yeah, and I think him returning almost full-time, like, to the, to the degree he has been. Like, the thing of the amount of times we have seen Katsuyori Shibata on AEW TV. That's mm. mad, considering how he went out in 2017. And him coming back with that regularity and being able to pass whatever physicals their weirdo Mark Doctor at ringside puts them through um, has made it a lot easier for me to watch his older matches where things like this happen. I haven't actually, I I should save this for that show. I haven't actually watched that Okada match since it happened, despite loving it and nominating it. I haven't watched it since it happened simply because I haven't felt comfortable to do so because of the head injury, the brain yeah, injury. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm exactly the same. And uh, to do the, the Mick Foley thing of cheap plug of I've written a book, um, I talk about that match in my chapter on Japanese wrestling and mixed martial arts because uh, with reference to the point I made earlier about different philosophies of wrestling in Japan, I saw Okada and Shibata as if New Japan had booked that as its season finale and then never run a show again, that would be the perfect ending to the story of New Japan figuring out what its style of wrestling was. Mm. Of Okada as the kind of the new wave coming through. This is mm. what we think wrestling should look like. Finally, putting down the the final Enochius, the final mm. um, kind of black trunks, no nonsense. Uh, yeah, the wrestler. Yes. So after that diversion, uh, Ishii hooks for the brainbuster. Uh, but to contribute to our conversation, Shibata powers out and holding Ishii's wrist so he can't defend himself, just smashes their foreheads together and they just collapse to the mat. It, it's iro- it, not ironic. It's fitting that Marty Asami is the referee because the last match we had with shoot headbutts, Marty Asami was also the referee. Do you think he's the agent as well and he tells him to do it? Do you think he's just a bit of a <laughs> sick bastard? <laughs> I can't say one way or t'other. Yeah. The phone call is over, so I guess these two maniacs trying to kill each other finally has this man's attention. <laughs> uh, they are back up at eight, and Shibata tries a new tactic. Either choke Ishii out or squeeze his neck until his head pops off and win by actual murder. I love uh, when Shibata goes for the sleeper. I love that he decides, fuck subtlety, I'm just going to have my arms spread so everyone knows what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah, play to Rose Ed. Ishii sells this by foaming at the mouth. Yeah. Fantastic uh, job. I think it's gross, but sure. <laughs> I, I, I agree with both of you. <laughs> yeah, fine. Fair enough. It's, it's it's disgusting, but it's convincing. Yeah. He gets a hand on the ropes, uh, gets kicked in the chest, hits an enzugiri, takes a knee drop to the back of the head while seated, takes another kick that bounces him across the ring. He looks like if you were to drop a watermelon and helplessly watch it roll away down the street in front of you on this bump. Uh he then comes back with another lariat. Shibata kicks out at one. Another lariat. Shibata kicks out at two. Vertical drop brain buster. Shibata does not kick out before three. I love how scrappy that finishing stretches. It's perfectly logical. It's great. It's well-timed. But it's got this sense of realism and just 
going for opportunities. It's the stubbornness that Patrick talked about. Yeah. Like, neither one is willing to give up. Like, they both know it's coming to an end, but neither one wants to be the one that goes down. So seeing as you were, you've, you've been waiting and itching to talk about this, Mark, um, what do you think? Do you, uh, I, I, I'm going to take a wild swing and guess it is still a must-see match. Yeah. Uh, I think you described, I can't remember which match it was, you've described a match earlier on uh, in the run as being not designed for taking a notes watch and you kind of hated watching it doing your notes watch. Funnily enough, I've made exactly the same note for this, yes. Yeah, because this is a match that just, it just needs to flow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is one of my favourite matches of all time. It's one of the ones that immediately jumps to mind. Mm. Uh, when I did my first rewatch, I legitimately punched the air to the extent where my arm was a little bit sore and my pulse was legitimately racing. It just... <laughs> Marcus Tornis tries to will not be appearing at WrestleMania. I'm so sorry. Um, this is my wrestling comfort food. This is it's pure <laughs> junk food for me. I know that men gives... hurting each other really badly makes Mark super happy. <laughs> uh, and I, I think this is one of those matches where if I watch this match and I don't feel anything, I think it's one of those signs I'm done with watching wrestling. Yeah. Just because. And it's that personal connection because 2013 as well was really in the, this is my shit, this is the stuff. Like, the next year, I was at the G1. Mm. The next year, I actually got five friends from three, diff three different countries to go with me and stay in an Airbnb that was a hell of a lot smaller than we thought it was on the photos. <laughs> and only had one DVD, which was Avatar, which is... Uh, <laughs> So we went uh, to the, the joke G1. is it's the best of Al Snow. The, it was a G1 during a typhoon, mm. the final. Oh, is that the one they did at the Cebu Dome? Yes. And almost nobody went. There's like a 30,000 seat building and almost nobody went because of the weather. Yep. And the best bit is Pete, what you couldn't see was the rain was actually coming in sideways because it's mm. not a full dome. Yeah. So you have one section where they were all with their, sitting with their umbrellas and their Macintosh. And there was an empty block of seats right in front of me. It's like, well, I didn't pay for those tickets, so I'm not going to get out of the rain. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, this is, I mean, you can call this dumb jock wrestling. You can call it dudes rock wrestling. Uh, for me, it's the ultimate pissing match. It's, it's the best example of stubbornness, as Patrick said, that I can think of in a wrestling match. And also, like Kabashi versus Sasaki, it's one of those matches where people have taken the wrong lessons. Yeah. And so many people copy so many different elements of this match without working out why it works for them. I probably am being a bit hyperbolic, but this is a match that just works for me in terms of the striking, the selling, the the character interplay, the, the so many little elements. Like, I will never forget Shibata hitting a lariat and nearly fucking his own arm up. That just <laughs> is stuck in my memory. This is the shit for me. And also the thing that people forget about this G1, Ishii only won two matches in this G1. People don't remember that. They remember this match against Shibata and they remember him beating Tanahashi. So, so they remember the ones he won. They remember the ones he won. <laughs> Patrick, how about you? Uh, I agree with so much of what Mark said. Um, for the type of wrestling it is, I think it's as close to perfect as wrestling gets, really. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone has done this genre of match as well as, including Shibata and Ishii in subsequent matches. Yeah. I don't think they ever got it as right as they did this time. And as Mark said, there are so many bits of this match and ideas in this match that you've seen a thousand times that never work. Mm. We've seen uh, the exaggerated uh, your turn, my turn strike exchanges mm. before, um, and they have never felt from the majority of other wrestlers that mixture of of, of stubbornness and urgency and, and wanting to win. Mm. Um, there are points where yeah, they're exchanging forearms or they're exchanging strikes and it goes from, okay, 
I'll take a chop, you take a strike, you take a kick to, oh no, that's a bit much. I'm just going to level you with three, four arms in a row now. Yeah. yeah. There is still, in amongst the dick measuring, there's still a will to win and remembering this is a real fight. And actually, you're a bit of an idiot for giving me an opening to just hit you in the face a few times there. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to offer me a free shot, I am going to take it. <laughs> exactly. And the the only way I've seen that subverted kind of differently is there is a WXW match between Sammy Callahan and Fit Finlay. Right. And they square up for the strike exchange. Um, Sammy chops Fit and then squares up to let Fit Finlay chop him. Fit chops him in the chest, squares up, and as Sammy's uh, pulling his hand back for a chop, Fit just kicks him in the knee to take him out, because why would Fit Finley wait to take a chop from it? Perfect. It's that sort of recognising that there's a bit of a trope here Mm. and Mm. turning it into something that makes sense in a fight that you're trying to win rather than just show off and do your routine and get your spots in. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing I, I really love about this is um i said about there only being about 10 moves in here mm. i think the only moves that she does are the power slam and a brain buster mm. and everything shibata does and it's basically his move set the whole time are kind of elevated young lion moves he does the boston crab mm. he does a german suplex and then um other moves that he'll use in any match really are kind of pulling from the new japan greatest hits mm. So he's got the STF here. He doesn't do the octopus in this match, but for the most part, they are moves which are either incredibly simplistic but done to perfection, or they're moves which have a long history in New Japan of, okay, we know that the STF is a serious move because it was Chono's move and it was Lufez's move. And that was Shibata's strength during his New Japan, his second New Japan run, was he was the guy that brought that element when no one else on the other than the young lions no one else brought that element brought the history back so that's what made him stand out for my part my first roundup note is this match is stupid but in a brilliant way like it's just it's just two pig-headed prideful idiots battering each other and i fucking love it um you mentioned uh, like dudes rock wrestling. I put this in with the Kabashi Kensuke dudes rock macho bullshit mm. column. It <laughs> it's like a bottle of whiskey fighting a steak. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as you said, it's not a match made for the notes watch. I had to keep pausing and writing everything because every chop, every kick, and the reactions to them are important. Like they are the match. Mm. Um, and having to do that ruins the flow of the match. Like it's best enjoyed as if it's a real combat sport, as if you're watching a boxing match or kickboxing or Muay Thai or something like that on TV. As we've mentioned, I think there's fewer actual wrestling moves in this regular rules match than in most street fight matches. In fact, if they just wore jeans and there was a chair shot and a whipping with a belt, this would be a bunkhouse match. Like it's just a fight and they happen to be professional wrestlers. It's mm-hmm. bonkers. This is five stars in the Observer. Uh currently nine point six one on cage match. This was on a show that also had back to back four star Naito versus Suzuki, four star Devitt over Tanahashi, four point two five star uh Makabe versus Okada, and leading to a four point seven five star Nakamura versus Ibushi main event. What a show. There is a reason that on Cage Match, the only matches with higher ratings are tribute shows. Yeah. The only matches with higher ratings are the first Hanakamura tribute show and the Brody Lee tribute Dynamite. The only match on this entire 10-match show related rated below three and a quarter stars in the Observer was the Toru Yano versus Yujiro Takahashi opener. The show was voted best major wrestling show in the Observer Awards. And and that is ridiculous. This is a show in the middle of a tournament. Yes. Uh, The match uh, placed second in match of the year behind Okada Tanahashi from Invasion Attack in April. Uh, As we mentioned, Ishii came second in most improved behind Roman Reigns. Uh, Shibata won best brawler uh, with Ishii coming second. All of those votes 
have to be for this match. <laughs> I would like to sort of, by way of closing this, read the review left on Cage Match by user The Last Carnival just two months before we recorded this episode. This match is sticking your head out of the window of a moving jet. It is breaking your own nose on purpose. It is eating an entire American buffalo raw, including the fur. It is ploughing into the side of a city bus in a snowmobile and emerging from the flame and the twisted metal unscathed and completely naked like the Terminator. It is consensual violence for its own sake and it is beautiful. When the bell rings and these two men collide, you'll forget your own birthday. At ten minutes in, the action will drag suddenly, allowing you only enough time to wipe the tears and dead insects from your eyes before the thrash metal drum solo that, that is this match begins again. Exactly one minute before this match ends, you will realise with horror that someone has to actually win this thing. Part DMT trip, part ice cream headache, all meat. Watch it. <laughs> if we are done with Katsuyori Shibata versus Tomohiro Ishii, I would like to very much thank Patrick for coming back to talk about this match. It's been a pleasure to speak to you again. Please uh, tell everybody where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found. Uh, plug the book, all of that good stuff. Yeah, sure. I am... Uh... The easiest place to find me is I, I'm trying to sort of bring back the way the internet was before um, there were three websites and we hated all of them. And so <laughs> the main place I can be found is on my website, which is uh, patrickwreed.com, where I will write about weird bits of old wrestling history, wrestlers that you've never heard of who had weird side stories about them, um, as well as occasionally thoughts on on modern wrestling and some non-wrestling stuff as well. Uh, I'm also Patrick W. Reed with or without underscores, depending on the platform, on pretty much every social media site you can find. And my book is available on Amazon, and it is called Kayfabe, A Mostly True History of Professional Wrestling. And that looks at the history of wrestling starting from... Uh, carnivals and the music hall in the 19th century through the advent of television the territory system mixed martial arts everything that sort of shaped wrestling into what it is through the lens of kayfabe as um a means of exploring how wrestling is a, is a balance between sport and entertainment and real and fake and how there's never really been a time that it's been anything else that this idea that there was ever a time when everyone thought wrestling was real or that a particular period or place was the perfect balance between real and fake, that actually it's a constant negotiation. Um, so hopefully that's appealing to you. It's uh, getting some pretty good reviews on Amazon and elsewhere at the moment. So please uh, go out of your way to buy that and read it. I, I've, I've actually taken up reading it uh I'd read the first chapter and I loved the history elements of stuff that I had no knowledge about. Like the idea that wrestling fans watching George Hackenschmidt thought that the fake stuff was real and the real stuff was fake. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, absolutely. People yeah. Don't, didn't know what a real match looked like mm. and had only ever seen showbiz wrestling, faked wrestling. So when they saw a real fight for the first time, it didn't have all the big impressive uh, throws and holds that they were used to. I thought, oh, these two must be faking it. <laughs> Especially because back then, if you were faking a match, it was rigging it for the gambling money. Yeah. Uh, so you hear a lot of old matches dragging on for two or three hours. And that wasn't only because people were getting a headlock on and it being a stalemate for a prolonged period. It's because you could do in-play bets on how how long the match was going to go and when it was going to finish. And the wrestlers and managers would just keep pushing that to try and make as much money out of it as they could. Fabulous. Uh, I have a copy. I haven't read it yet to my shame, but I will say that it looks very nice and is pleasantly weighty. I will plug actionfigureseller.com then, who is the action figure seller is uh, Rick, who did the artwork for the book at mm. uh, very short notice. He's <laughs> a very good old friend of mine. Um, an occasional wrestler in the Channel Islands himself as Classy Rick. Uh, so any any graphic design work that you might need is well worth seeking out. And if you're into uh, wrestling toys and action figures, he's very active in that world as well. 
fabulous stuff. As for us, you can go to linktr.ee slash matches for all the way subscribe, links to the full list of nominations and so much more. We are at matches on Twitter, Instagram, Threads and Blue Sky. And we have a Discord, bit.ly slash matches Discord. You can come and have a chat over there. I am at Kieran Edits on Twitter and Mark is at monkey underscore buckles. I'm also going to plug again the Instagram that I launched recently, which is my uh, photos from my seat uh, of many, many wrestling shows across the years, uh, just because I want to share them and archive them somewhere. Um, that is Kieran is here too, uh, T double O, not the number. Uh, and it's just some photos. Hope you like them. Uh, I also have another show. It is Nothing and Like It, chronicling the UK's Frontier Wrestling Alliance's adventures on television, including eventually the stuff that I made. We're going to go uh, all boots in on that. You can find everything to do with that at linktr.ee slash fwapod, and episode four is out now. Next week, another returning guest, Sean Orleans, is back to discuss a match that has long been in the conversation for the best tag team match of all time. Yes, it's Dan Crawford and Doug Furness versus Kent Kobashi and Shiyoshi Kikuchi from May the 25th, 1992. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>